0: You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys Podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Vadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys Podcast. I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. I'm Ben from Dreamload Studio. I know you got a gig coming up today. So one of the rare times we're actually under a bit of a time crunch recording a podcast might be good for us, might be good for our dynamics. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> We'll see. Push <laughs> us along a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, I did want to just start with a little um, opening rant and question to you. I've been um, sure chatting with, with some people over email about mixing live, in other words, where you get a song to mix and then it's an attended mix session people asking like if i've ever done it would i do it and Multiple i wanted to get people uh two people okay okay but, uh one band i was doing a mix for and they were just like hey is it cool if we attend and uh so that got me thinking and then another person was just curious like had i ever done it and what are my thoughts on it And uh, I just wanted to start by asking you, have you ever mixed with the artist in the room? Kind of, but
1: not really. (laughs) Um, was it was for show? Well, it was kind of like, um, the only time I've really done it is for hip-hop artists, where Mm -hmm. they already have the, the beat track already there. So I'm kind of mixing, I've kind of been mixing vocals to kind of at least get a, an idea if the artist liked what I was doing as far mm. as delays and reverbs go. Because sometimes I feel like hip hop is a lot more subjective like than traditional rock is. Like with rock, you would want a lot of ambience on the vocals, but I feel like depending on the hip hop artist, they either want it super dry or a lot of effects.
2: Mm.
0: Okay, and so, so it was more like a production... like. Brainstorming session
1: where you're trying different things and you're getting feedback. Yeah. Kind of. But I was like, if they liked it, which this artist wound up liking what I was doing, that was in essence the mixing that I was doing on the vocals. Like I wasn't going to like. You were committing to it. I was that committing to it. That was what you were going to go with. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I don't like, I in general, I don't like the idea of having attended mixing sessions because for two reasons. One, like, I like doing it on my time it kind of being able to do it whenever you know I'm in that more of that headspace to do mixing is I can work quicker I'm not being bothered by questions kind of Mm. kind of a thing Uh, and two like I like to do a lot of experimenting whenever I'm doing mixes and I kind of feel like it's the same thing as an artist not wanting to show their fans them working out like a riff or something like that like would you want (laughs) would you want your artists and fans to see the 40 times that you screwed up this simple rhythm or would you rather show them a final product that they're going to be super impressed with and obviously they're going to be like well no we don't show people like how the sauce is how the sausage is made we just want them to see the final product and and enjoy that and I, i feel the same way about you know doing a mix live in front of other people yeah.
0: That was my instinct as well. I was, I was thinking I like to experiment and sometimes I like to really, I would like to listen to four snare hits that I loop for 20 minutes while <laughs> yes. I just tweak little my things. My wife complains about
1: this all the time, by <laughs> the way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sometimes I like that because I'm looking for something. I'll get hung up on it and then I'm in for 20 minutes, I'm listening to that snare, just trying to like get it to what I want it to be. And if someone was in the room watching me, I'd feel bad. I'd feel like this is this is boring for this person. Yeah. I'd feel like I need to be entertaining them. So that that was my instinct as well. But the I, I've only done it a handful of times, and I've actually surprised myself at how much I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it more than I thought mm. I would. It was forcing me to not do that, to not listen to the snare. But... I still had to process the snare, so I would just do it quickly, and it would be more like reactive. Like I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna try this. Oh yeah, see you hear that? I'm like I like the the way the body sounds. And then, um, it becomes a little bit of a collaborative thing too if the person is interested and they're like, you know, you could you could get instant feedback. You're like, do you like this one or this one? That I enjoyed. And what I was thinking was, I definitely wouldn't want people in the room if I was like starting a mix from scratch. But if I was at a point where like I had a static mix maybe where like the editing was done, the session was set up and I had a rough balance. Then if a person was in the room and it was just like a creative, like spitballing thing, I could see that being cool. And then on the back end of that, when they leave, I do like more, you know, I tighten up the loose ends. I could see that being fun. I don't know. I've never tried Mm. it that way though. I agree. Cool. Well, good chat. So today's yeah. <laughs> episode was kind of spontaneously uh, spontaneously came about. Um, so you had mixed and produced a song for an artist named, is it Anna Navarre? Mm-hmm. How does she pronounce it? Anna Navarre. Anna Navar, yeah. Anna Navarre, okay. And you sent the song to me for mastering. In the course of mastering it, you know, I listened to it a lot. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of really cool production bits going on here. And so I thought it would be Thanks, fun man. to do a little... Yeah, a little uh, debrief on some of the production elements you chose to uh, include in the song. Anna was kind enough to let us use the song on the podcast. So we're going to listen to it. We're going to talk about it, but maybe you could first introduce uh, the song a little bit and just, just what your starting point was for the song. Um, yeah, you know, What did you get as an input into the process?
1: Yeah, so uh, what I got was very similar to hip hop artist I've worked with she found a royalty-free beat on YouTube and said I've kind of written some melody and vocals to go along with this Mm -hmm. and the arrangement kind of fit as a full song going along with uh, what she was singing to so we didn't really have to do too much arrangement changes or or add sections as far as that go which made it a little bit easier like the song was done it was already finished from like verse to chorus to to end so we had that as an accompanying track and what i wound up doing was just using that as inspiration and then starting again from scratch in fact i haven't i haven't listened to that accompanying track in a long time and i definitely took some elements out of it as as inspiration and played like variations of what was in the original track but i completely changed the chorus because i think it had like a happy major sounding progression and i changed it to a minor key progression because i felt like it needed to be a little bit more melancholy and Mm. i added a lot more like electronic elements to make it bigger and epic and it was interesting because the first time we went over it we actually did a live um, audio movers um, like listen session and I it was the first time she had heard it too and we were both listening together for the first time and it was very nerve-wracking for me because I changed the vibe of the song a lot and I didn't know how she was going to react to it but I wanted to hear what she thought because I needed to know if I had screwed it up and gone in a wrong direction but she wound up being really pleased with it so it was cool and a fun project a challenging project to work on but yeah it turned out really really great but let me
0: uh let me play this song and uh just if for uh for listeners out there there are a couple of f-bombs in the song so if you're listening with kids maybe 30 seconds or so after the music starts you may uh you may want to just skip a couple minutes forward so user discretion advised yes
2: Yeah, you wanna fight But I don't really give a fuck Cause Karma really knows how to fight It's gonna get your ass Talking to me sweet But you're a piece of trash It was a hit then crash I'll just keep pretending I forget your past You could have reversed it I just keep pretending I forget your past. You could have reversed it. You Told me every.
1: cool sounds great on headphones too
0: yeah yeah it does I was taking notes on all the little things I was hearing as that was playing and there's a lot there I'm sure there's a lot that I missed so yeah I guess I would be curious to hear did you find that um, I couldn't find
1: it because I think she sent it to me from a different email address I know I have it in my session I can maybe grab it we could throw it together later but I have to dig through. Yeah, no worries.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot going on there. I I guess we can just, uh, I mean, we've talked a lot about the elements of a good production. and, And one of the big things that I think we both agree on is this idea that the listener's attention must be kept and held throughout every part of the song. And you need to, one of the ways to do that is by changing elements, bringing new elements in, removing elements, and kind of Keeping things moving, and and there's the little subtle Easter eggs that will catch you even subconsciously. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of that going on here, which is why I think this is a nice song to talk about. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how do you wanna
1: How do you wanna start by breaking it down? I'm just curious to hear like the things that stand out to you because you know I've I've been in the weeds with this for a long time, so it's yeah. interesting to me what somebody else. Says about it, maybe not knowing what all is in there. Right. Okay. Cool. We can do that.
0: So, so obviously you got this intro with like a, a bit of a jazzy guitar, which I'm actually curious about. Was that
1: was that a sample, or does you that's actually play up, that? That's a straight up sample that I found. Is it? Okay. And the cool thing about that was that I need to find the original version to show you because it's completely. Well, it's not completely different. It's that minor chord progression just happened to be. The relative minor of the major key progression that was in the loop that she provided me with. Wow. And I heard that and I was like, this is like, I feel way more inspired to write to this than I do with what she gave me. And it just kind of happens to work with her vocals too. So I'm going to go out on a limb and really kind of change things up here. (laughs) So that was the first thing I found that I think sparked everything else that came after that
0: interesting okay yeah that definitely feels like a seed riff where it's like it's a it's a cool progression you're right it works well with her vocals so i could see you building around that and to me like so the intro has like a very hip-hop vibe almost like an old school hip-hop vibe you even have like the static and crackle of a record in there which i love and uh i thought that was just a nice it was a nice intimate way to start the song and uh you have the uh, the couple of like little synth swells that just come and go and maybe mm-hmm. give like a little bit of a preview of like there's going to be some massive synths in this song later i'm just going <laughs> to give you a little taste right now just a little little sparkle of excitement and then of course i love you use this a couple of times throughout the song but you have in transition moments you have another hip hop element which is like that turntable yeah the little turntable scratch
1: which i love the I turntable scratches really like. i I try to use them as much as I can without being like in subtle in different ways. Like, I don't know if you would anticipate that kind of a thing being in a song like this, like a pop song, but it works and I, li- and I like throwing it in. So where do you, where do you get your scratches? Is that a straight
0: up sample too? Or do you have a way to like play that, play that rhythm? Cause it was definitely in time with the
1: song, right? Mm, that was a. I think that one was a sample, but I do think I have a couple of virtual instruments that mimic stuff like that. So you can either oh, yeah? kind of create it, or you can just grab a sample and I think I had to time bend it to make it fit the tempo. Gotcha. If that makes sense. I think I stretched it out because it was quicker.
0: Yeah, there or, is like, there is a way to do this. DIY with, uh although I think there's probably, there's actually a cool free plugin that I've been meaning to check out by Waves Factory called uh, Tape Stop st- or Tape Stop, Tape Start or mm. something. I think I used that can... in the other song. You did? I think okay. so, yes. Yeah, this is a cool like shoo, tape slowdown effect or tape uh, speed yeah. up
1: effect and you can play mm-hmm. with parameters. That's a free plugin. Uh, there's a free isotope plugin called Vinyl that does that spin down effect. So if anybody's oh, looking cool. to get that, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Cool. And there's one,
0: uh, there's a stock one in Pro Tools called Verify, V A R I F I. That does the same thing. I use it all the time. It's great for transitions. That effect of either slowing down or speeding up and building into like the one of the chorus is a great effect. And you can even do this uh, by taking like copy paste little samples of audio and just speed them up two to three times or reverse them and you can do like almost a right like a
1: yeah speaking of which i forgot that i did this but that sample how it swells into it Mm -hmm. what i actually did was i took one of the guitar chords from the sample i chopped it up and i reversed it and put it back onto the beginning so it swells into that because that loop only starts on the like the first chord and it needed something so I mm, added, so it add doesn't come out of nowhere there. that is yeah. a
0: great great trick that i use all the time where you you take a piece of something else from the song you reverse it and you could either like speed it up into it or or whatever you're going to do and then tag that onto the beginning of whatever transitional little loop you have a great great production trick yeah yeah so that was cool you know the the vocal comes in i think you're you're doing some nice things playing with uh what constitutes the snare throughout the song like if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly it's almost like a little either like an edge hit or like a wood block almost
1: uh, yeah for like Mm -hmm.
0: the verse and then it transitions to like you know an actual like snare hit for the chorus I think there's even uh,
1: finger snaps in there too yeah very cool
0: because that's just a nice element it's a nice way to like add energy the core, you know, that verse yeah. is like very mellow. It's like very, we're sitting in a room, sure snaps, and then for the chorus, it's big and that's a nice way to raise the energy, is now you got that snare on the two and the four. So that was a, a very cool element. What am I missing there from the intro and the verse that you wanna uh
1: add? Um You don't even remember, do you? I well, I remember some of it. Uh, <laughs> I do I'm trying to think through some of why I felt like I needed to add things and the, the sample was really cool, but I did think that I had this problem with the other song as well, um, which I don't think we're talking about her other song today. But very similarly, like she had long intros with no vocals happening, and I knew that was going to be a big problem to get listeners' attention for that long, because she has a great voice. And normally in a pop song, you want the vocals to start happening as quickly as possible uh so to have a long intro like that, I didn't feel like there was any way to cut it down because the whole progression is is kind of long. it's like a mm. eight bar it's an eight bar or longer guitar chord progression mm-hmm. um you know, that goes through all these changing chords. And so I wanted to kind of feature all of that at the intro and didn't want to chop it up in any way. So I felt like an a way to keep listeners interest is, to add in those random swells, and they just kind of worked like randomly. Totally. Like they weren't they weren't going into verses or out of verses. They just kind of came in in the middle and then like faded away. But it's enough to make you want to just kind of stop and listen to what's happening.
0: Yeah, and, and it's just little little nuggets that grab you. Yeah, for sure. In fact, let's let's play that intro again so people so so listen for that the static, the little synth swells, and yeah. then uh, into the verse. Um, What's being used as a quote-unquote snare, and uh, the other thing I'll mention here on the verse is you—you you do this nice effect where you uh, the ver- the the verse is generally intimate, like the vocal is on the, in the middle, but then you do add a couple of phrases where it splits out to the sides and you have yeah. like doubles, uh, which is which is exactly. another cool production trick. I'm gonna start the intro like halfway through.
1: Okay, that works.
0: even going to talk about the bass your bass is always on point
1: (laughs) (laughs) thanks it's always fun for me when i have an opportunity to play funky bass
0: yeah i noticed you do
1: you do like an opportunity for some funky
0: bass for sure yeah um yeah the, the other thing you did there of course is you you brought in the kick together with the bass which just right away gives you an idea of where the song is going because until then Mm -hmm. it it could kind of go in a couple of different directions and that really kind of sets the tone again like increases the energy a little bit and really kind of you settle into that that groove so that was very cool thanks man yes uh let's see what else we got here so we talked about the snare change i love the uh, the synth builds you also do an interesting thing in the chorus where you have this massive wall of synths. This is how I know you produce a lot of rock and metal mm-hmm. is because you've you've treated those synths like massive uh, guitars, on both yes. sides. But you're mm-hmm. doing two things. Like the the synths are very kind of non-transient. They're very soft and swelly and buildy, and they're thick. They're very dense. You're using the bass guitar, but also there's something else like a piano or something that's keeping track of like the chord progression. Mm. if I'm not mistaken do you remember if, if that's true or not or is that actually the synth is that that kind of chord built there, into the synth and then there's just a the synth tail that that's there no as well.
1: that's very astute of you I think there's a couple different things I would consider more keyboards than synths and they're they're more keyboards. percussive sounding okay and I do think I slather them with reverb as well but you can hear that transient hit and it, it helps to define. The specific chord changes more yeah than the it really are.
0: exactly because you have this the synths are kind of amorphous they're they're mm. just blobs and then you have the bass down low and then these keyboards up high that still
1: anchor the listener to the melody uh, as this chaos is going around i like to play with rhythms a lot for sure i mean that's that's a cool way to change up one section from another is i think in the first pre-chorus it's the kick drum and some of the keyboard parts are very syncopated whereas in the second pre-chorus you have this four on the floor bomb bomb bum, start to mm-hmm. happen and not too much is different from those two pre-choruses other than those rhythmic differences and i think there's an additional like bell synth happening on top mm. of that but. Just a simple change like that. I love doing things like that because you might not even know what's happening, but subconsciously you're like, "This sounds completely different than the first one." But it's just a rhythm change; is the only difference. Yeah, that's
0: a good point because I actually
1: didn't um, note that. I, I I didn't
0: I didn't recall the the pre choruses as being different, uh, which was fine in and of itself. But now that you mention it, that that four on the floor like kick pattern, um, I kind of remember it. So. Yeah, that's that's a nice change. The other thing you changed is is in um, in verse two, you there's like a ghost of a synth somewhere floating around that just adds a little element to it. And then you have the vo- the vocals are are more. There's there's harmonies and there the vocals are kind of yeah. denser and doubled, uh, which is a nice move as well because that's what we talked about on the episode with cyana where it's the verse two is tough it, if verse two is the same yeah. as verse one that really takes the listener out and that's when that's when they usually hit next on a playlist so
1: <laughs> there's a lot of like really good famous pop songs too that i think have weak verse twos or maybe not so much weak verse twos more so that you can tell it's an afterthought like it's mm-hmm. almost like reading a book where The chapter titles kind of tell everything that there is to know about the book and like you don't really need to actually read the body it's just (laughs) you know what i mean it's just or maybe that's maybe that's a little too harsh um i've definitely read a book in that's really harsh in re, re in recent uh history where uh the first paragraph of every chapter is all you need to really read and then the rest of the body of those chapters is just regurgitating the same information in different ways, and I feel mm. that way about some pop songs with additional verses, mm. where the whole idea was in the first verse, and they didn't really elaborate on it, or maybe there wasn't too much more to say. Let's uh, let's
0: listen quickly to that that chorus. Uh, so listen for those like piano effects holding down the the chords, and then of course the yeah the synth. That must have been fun to build that synth wall. I could see you being like. One more. Let's do one more. What's this one exactly. going to sound like?
1: Exactly. <laughs> and very much for those type of productions like I'm looking for a specific sound. But the tricky thing with uh, doing electronic productions is that there there's not like an or- organic like direct connection between this is the synth I need to get that sound that I have a lot more with guitar type productions where mm. I know this type of guitar amp gives me this sound. It's not quite as clear to me what synths give me the sounds I'm looking for. So mm. it can be a, a, a long process of just building and building and building until you get closer to what you hear in your head. Right, right. Or or you could go in a totally different
0: direction, which happens to me all the time, where it's not what I heard in my head, but it's cool and I go with it instead. Yeah. It's like happy accidents, right? <laughs> Exactly, yes. <laughs> I don't
2: really give a fuck as karma really knows how to fight. he's gonna get your ass talking to me sweet, but you're a piece of trash. It was a hit, then crash. I'll just keep pretending I forget your past. You could have reversed it.
0: I want to ask you about the vocal effect too. What like okay. these, these little vocal bits? Is that uh, what is it? Sample, man. Is it?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. I was wondering if you would actually take the bits of
1: her vocal and and turn it around and done stuff. No. Stuff with it. um Well, I like songs that do this kind of thing that this song does, where the chorus vocally is not the peak energy level of Mm. the actual song the the peak energy level is actually kind of the post chorus or the hook that i would call it where it's just an instrumental part but it's super big and it kind of i don't know what i would say the effect is on the listener but maybe it gives like a punctuation like an exclamation point to what was just said vocally and gives you time to ponder what's actually the vibe of the mm. weight of what the vocalist just said, and I, I love that kind of effect in songs. And so, I was trying to recreate that with this one, and it wasn't good enough to just have the sense there, it needed something melodic as well. And I found this really cool, um, vocal melody thing, and I manipulated it like to heck where <laughs> I used um that Sound Toys plugin, Little Alter Boy, and I did some crazy manipulation. Like, I think I made it an octave up and I switched some of the actual pitches of some of the some of the phrases I pitch shifted to to fit the song mm. a little bit better but the original doesn't oh, sound anything cool, yeah. like what that version of it sounds that's like great
0: either. that's nice it's a great touch where where do you find the vocal samples like that typically um
1: there's a whole bunch of uh slate samples that I have and I always like to look through them I try to do something to like mash up a sample as much as yes. possible. So so that it doesn't sound like other people's productions if they just so happen to use a similar sample. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That that's a key point. And there are, you
0: know, if you if you you can Google this, there's companies that give away gigabytes of free sample packs every year. They're still floating around the internet. You can use them. But I, I agree with you. It's it's fun and Imp- not important necessarily, but if if you if you mess these things up and do some take them in a different direction, first of all, again, it sparks creativity, and then you get a unique production that doesn't really sound like anybody else's. So I, I totally mm-hmm. agree with you there. Sometimes, in fact, I've seen uh, some I have some vocal chop samples that actually, in the in the file name, is like the key therein. But you know, yeah. you can pitch shift things up and down, and 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 you hear this in in pop songs all the time. This type of pitch shifting. Yes. Um. Let's see. You had yeah. The one. It's an interesting song to me. I I actually was at first a little bit surprised when I was thinking about this effect that you just described, where like the chorus is almost building up to the post chorus or the hook. That's not super common. I mean, you definitely hear it, but it's not super common for for mm-hmm. pop songs. I did think it was nice, and and when you think about the journey of the song, there's a lot going on. Like you had that like hip hop ish intro, yeah, and then you know then it's kind of a soul song, and then it's this massive synth like electro pop song. And to me, the one element that really like ties each section together is the bass. I feel like the bass is kind of anchors things together from section to section and keeps that uh, one consistent element that. You know, it's like in the movie, what's that Christopher Nolan movie? Inception. Yeah. The totem, right? The totem, how you know if you're asleep or not. The basis, how (laughs) you know if you're asleep or not.
1: (laughs) It's your anchor (laughs) on reality. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if I consciously thought that. I knew that I, I really tried my hardest to make the sections transition well between one another. Because when I was building the song and just putting the skeleton elements in, it did it did struggle a little bit from having that jarring feeling of, oh, this isn't a hip-hop song anymore. This is an electronic song. Right. Yeah, you do and, that very
0: gracefully. And I think that's important for people to think about in their own productions. Even though sometimes when you write, you might have abrupt changes like verse, the verse, the verse, boom, it's the chorus. Like, Cool, but you do want to think about those transitions, and you have a lot of great tricks in here for reference with like synth builds, little loops that you reversed, the mm-hmm. record scratch. Um, you even have like something that sounds like a cell phone starting up in verse two at some point. It's like a mm-hmm. something like oh, that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, some like arpeggiated part in there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, something arpeggiated which builds. Well, I think one advantage that we have being rock musicians working on pop songs is that um, you can, by having that different perspective, you can sometimes identify what's lacking about just a, lo- a single loop or a sample mm. and what you can add to it to make it sound more organic or more like a full band playing and spice it up mm. a little bit more. And and that's kind of the approach that I have. like. Sometimes you'll find a really great, you know, kick and bass loop or kick and snare, and it doesn't have any hi hats or anything, and so you have to add them in to make them sound right. more full and and
0: cool. Well, yeah, I, I told you this when we were texting about this as well. I think it takes a, a certain amount of, I call the creative stamina, which mm. it really is, from my experience, where you've written a song and you're layering these things on and you're thinking to yourself that's probably enough but you can you know take a take a break and listen with a fresh set of ears and think about which transitions don't quite move in the way you want them to and add little elements to them uh that type of stuff is if you listen to like you know top 40 songs this is what they're doing they have a ton of these little easter eggs that the casual listener may not notice, but they'll know something is off or too dry or too bland or too sterile about a DIY production unless you go this extra mile. So
1: kudos to you for having the the stamina to go through it. <laughs> Thanks, man. I I equate it. That's a really great way of kind of describing that and it's very similar to how people are with watching movies and productions. Like are our recognition of what is real and and isn't is so good that we can instantly identify oh that part in that movie that was that was all cgi that wasn't that wasn't a real person even though most of us have no expertise or know anything about what cgi is we can instantly mm. identify that it's there was something off about that and then whenever you watch a breakdown because i do this on youtube all the time i watch these breakdowns of vfx effects because I think they're Mm. so cool and they'll talk about how oh the shadow wasn't right it wasn't congruent with the rest of the what was real in a shot and our brains just instantaneously pick up on that thing even though we can't put our finger on it we can't describe what it is and our ears are very much the same way in the listening to productions and we say something's not right something doesn't sound 100% like you know like like a complete song. Our brains are just so good at that type of a thing. So it does it does take that stamina. It's not that I had all these ideas the first time I sat down. Like I sat down, I spent four hours putting together the first draft. Then you take mm-hmm. a break and you come back maybe the same day or a, day, a few days later. And, you know, you see what is missing and what strikes you and what doesn't. So, yeah, yeah very much. I remember one of my one of my good friends from high school
0: actually works in the movies, in the movie industry. He oh, works wow. For, cool. uh, yeah, he works for Sony, and he's always had uh, this critical eye. You know, he's always made movies when we were in high school, and he's always had a critical eye for these things. And I remember watching some movies with him where he would point stuff out to me. He'd be like, you know, this is a, a long shot where, like, you know, they film this for – 45 seconds there's no cuts which means they did it in one take which means and I was like wow now that I have a mm-hmm. language for that I noticed some of those things and I'm like it was the same type of thing where I'm like this movie is very cool visually yeah. but I couldn't put any words to it having that language then allows
1: you to see these little elements working on this with another artist too is just I asked for constant feedback just to make sure that I was going down the right path oh. because she definitely gave me a lot of creative freedom to turn this into what it was or what it became so so, tell me about that process like when would you reach out to her and be like here's a work in progress what do you think so the way that this started was she had her backing track and i just had her come in here and do scratch vocals over it Mm -hmm. so from there i can remove her backing track use it as just the uh, inspiration and then start adding things and then once so the I tempo felt was like, the same you, you kept the tempo you were comfortable I'm, with that i think i might have changed it a little bit i think i might have okay. sped it up a. Couple but for BPM. pre-production you just sped up her scratch tracks you were able exactly. to to work with it yes yeah okay exactly um so then i got it to probably the 90 percent point where i felt like okay these are this is 90 of the elements that i need in there i don't think i had recorded acoustic guitar yet because there's acoustic in most of the song to kind of fill it out and a lot mm. of the extra like transition like percussive things like tambourines and shakers that wasn't in there yet but 90% of the structure of the song in the sense that they, they were all there and then I just level balanced it I didn't mix it I sent that to her just for her to review and say you know mm. this is kind of what I'm feeling as far as production goes Mm-hmm. And then she gave me some notes and she gave me some negative stuff. Like she wanted it more to be more uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh vintage sounding huh. is the big thing. And that's why I wound up adding a lot more um acoustic bass, like actual bass playing, and I pulled back from it being. Like a straight up, uh, like <laughs> Skrillex, like EDM jam. Right. As much as I maybe would have wanted it to be more punch you in the face type of a song. Oh, interesting. So I pulled back a little bit on that and added more y elements. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've I've always I've always been unsure about this because I do the same thing for artists where I, I have mm. relationships with them and I do a lot of production for them once once they've worked with me before and I'm more, comf- I'm more comfortable sending them these works in progress where it's like yeah. all right I'm thinking like claps here nothing's mixed I send it to you to see what you think but for artists that I'm working with for the first time I feel like I'm worried about them coming back and saying something's not right but they're not able to like extrapolate what it's going to sound like when it's when it's fully mixed you know I'm able to extrapolate that because I because I do this, but they're not, yes. and so they're saying no. Something's not right.
1: And really, what's not right is it hasn't been mixed. <laughs> right? Yeah, I got lucky. So I got lucky with most of the project that I've done. I think that I'd actually be curious to hear Anna's opinion on this. But this is the first like production that she's ever done. This is her first songs ever. Oh wow! Which is really cool. Yeah. So I kind of think that when I first sent her, just the produced like recorded tracks she i think thought that they they were mostly done by that point so she already was happy oh that's that's cool (laughs) which is cool that like now if you thought this was good just wait till you hear what it sounds like mixed and mastered right so i kind of have a feeling that she probably didn't know that we weren't done yet whereas if you're working with an artist that has already gone through the stages and has other music Mm. that's really good and has been mixed and mastered already then you maybe could run into that problem a little bit if they can't like you said extrapolate that like okay this is just a level balance this isn't mixed but i can tell it's really good and you know it's it's going here so right but i like i like sharing that kind of stuff with artists that i'm working with because then they can be along with me for the journey and see like how things you know what i i especially like sending level balance to artists that are interested in that kind of a thing where where i'm doing like you know i'm doing producing recording mixing mastering in this case you did the mastering but um i like sharing each kind of phase of the journey so they can be along with me and it, it kind of gives them a more concrete um stopping places for each part of the process mm. too oh this is we're done with the recording this is as good as the track sound recorded and it also gives you like a a more concrete picture in your mind what mixing does to re- yes. a recording as well that
0: sometimes i like to bounce out even at the end of a recording session i'll just do a quick and dirty yeah. level level balance bounce that out take it home let the artist take it home and like listen to it and then when they they get used to it and they're like, all right. Yeah. And then they get the mix and they're like,
1: oh, it's awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe to end here, I'll just I want to highlight what we talked about for the difference between uh verse one and verse two. So we'll play that. Sure. Give you uh you can you can give us your, your parting thoughts now that you are past this song and it's it's complete. And then um mm-hmm. maybe what you learned doing it, what you would do differently. Next time, um, for, for me, I find like every song I work on, I learn some, something that I can then use, right, and apply next time. So yeah. while I'm playing these verses, you can think about uh, what your answers are going to be to that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> All right. So I'm going to play a bit of the first verse, and then I'm going to play the second verse and l- try to listen for the differences
2: between the two. I <laughs>
1: Actually, super different when you listen to them back to back. Yeah. I totally get, forgot that I had brass horns in here. So did I. <laughs> yeah.
0: Until I heard it right So you got, you had the, the, the sax or the horns, and then you have the snare. I mean, the snare has gone from the, from the snap or from the, that wood block mm. thing to, to the actual snare sound. And you have the vocal harmonies, like
1: in vocal doubling effects. The cool thing is, is that there's, a synth reverb tale from yes. leftover from the hook that lasts pretty far into that second verse yes i love that cool that's what i was texture. talking about
0: a little airy it's like the ghost of a synth just in the in the background yeah.
1: the uh cosmic background radiation my first favorite two. uh my favorite synth reverb has like a it's a reverb time of like 12 seconds. It's ridiculously long. And I think that's what you're hearing is the reverb on that synth is just, it just lasts forever. (laughs) Nice. All right, so give me your thoughts. What
0: are biggest lessons, takeaways? What would you do differently next time as a result of having worked on the song?
1: Yeah, so I think definitely big wins are the synths definitely sound more like a wall without being clutter cluttery i definitely improve on it's the same thing every time but i would definitely take less time in the producing phase yeah. like it, it took a while to get this done but i think how long like, did it take you i think this is important for people to hear um definitely took me over a month to get everything in there the way it was yeah um yeah it takes time and it was a yeah it was a really long time and i think in retrospect like. I have a tendency and this is what makes me good at fi- finding details in songs like I have a tendency to be a little bit too detail oriented at times whereas like I, it took me forever to record the acoustic to this because I was looking for a very particular acoustic sound but whenever you're listening to the song you almost don't even notice that there's acoustic in it so yeah w- when it comes to that that type of a thing like I would have just thrown I think in retrospect I would just throw elements in there quicker mic up an acoustic with just a single mic don't overthink it it's a small element don't waste time making things mm. perfect it just need to be at 80 percent to to go into something because i think that yeah. sometimes i can i cannot see the forest for the trees whenever i'm doing big productions like this you risk the danger of losing that focus as far well, it's as important you know. about
0: this song or this part yeah right
1: exactly yeah yeah, definitely. And,
0: I mean, there, there's there's something to be said for like if if the acoustic guitar was the focal point, if that was the totem, right? Yes. From from inception, then you, there's something to be said for like no, it's got to be right. It's got to be the perfect tone. But if it's a filler element, just playing a
1: little role. Yeah, maybe you can be a little more lax with your with your standards. But very happy with how it turned out. It was super challenging and super glad that you uh, that I gave it to you for mastering because you did a killer job. Once again. Thank you. Yeah. Very Thank fun. you. Yeah, it was,
0: um, it was an interesting song to master as well because it's, it's very dynamic. You know, the, the synth sections are so huge and rich uh, harmonically, right? There's, there's, they're very dense uh, in terms of frequency content, whereas you have these slightly sparser verses. So I did uh, work that a little bit, but I, I think it's nice to have a dynamic pop song for a change instead of everything smashed all the, all the time. As pop yeah. songs can tend to be
1: sometimes, so so yeah, percentage-wise, what what genre are you mostly working with? I'm just curious. Are what you like 90 percent or more? Just for anything in general. Are you oh, like I percent mostly 95% mostly metal? it's some flavor of rock,
0: right? That I'm working okay. with for mastering. It's it's been a bit more like pop
1: and hip hop. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. It's, what about you? Similar. I I'm still looking for more metal and hard rock projects to mix but surprisingly like i'm just open to what's coming to me and i get a surprising amount of hip-hop and pop songs but it's fun and apparently i do a good job at it so (laughs) i'll just keep working with it the biggest benefit from like pop genres and hip-hop is that they're they're looking for a sound more than they're looking for all the band members to feel happy and have their part recorded which i think is Which I think is a big plus. Like, and there's nothing wrong. I come from that that rock world, but when you're playing in a rock band, like you almost think of it so like, um, each part is so contained in its own cubicle. As here's the bass, here's the guitar, here's the rhythm guitar, here's the lead, here's the vocal. It never changes. But in a hip hop song, you could have two snare drums, four snare drums. You could have Right, Uh, a drummer that has seven limbs hitting seven different symbols at the same time, like they don't. Nobody's gonna bat an eye at it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 also
0: like in in hip hop, when they do like NPR Tiny Desk, for example, they the production is organic, clean slate, and then they adapt that production for a live band. Whereas in rock, you're right, you have to kind of tailor the arrangement almost for the band because. Otherwise, Janet's like, what am I playing in verse two? Like, I'm just going to stand there and like tap my foot. That's not right. Yeah. I got to be playing something. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, great episode. Great song. Nice job, Ben. Congratulations on another successful project. I'm happy that Anna is happy with the results. And until next time, it's the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself
1: before you wreck yourself.
0: If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it, or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers, and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us, or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com, get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording, or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com and you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email ben at dreamloudstudio.com and finally join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook thank you so much for listening and for your continued support We'll see you next week